This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Ah, yes, that might well be the first time the veritable Eric Rutan has had his voice paired with Christmas music and doesn't he sound fit for purpose? Indeed. Welcome to the end of year show. 2021, the year in review. You're going to hear some killer tunes, the very best from 2021, in fact, and my top 10 albums of the year. You're going to hear the reasons behind my selection there and a conversation with the recipient, the fella behind the album that made my number one album of 2021. So before I go any further, I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a safe and prosperous 2022. Christmas is indeed a time to spend with friends and family, so I sincerely hope that you have some great food, you can sink a few choice beverages, maybe even smoke something, and you get some lovely gifts from the people that care about you. Rightio, before we continue, I'm going to get just a little bit serious, more than a little bit in fact, deadly serious, for reasons that will soon become apparent. So why don't I switch out the music? to something more appropriate. Look, in a global context, well away from music and heavy metal, 2021 has been the year of creeping totalitarianism. I do feel compelled to address you before we get to the music and all the other fun stuff about this subject. COVID restrictions, such as mask mandates, vaccine certification policies, border closures and lockdowns, they've been the norm, not the exception across 2020 and 2021. The vast majority of my listeners, the listenership to the Scars and Guitars podcast, you're from North America, Europe, Britain, Ireland, and Australia. And I say to all of you, we have given state premiers, governors, or their equivalent, unelected officials and bureaucrats, we've given them fucking enough. Question everything at this point. Here in Queensland, in Australia, the great state of Queensland, unvaccinated people cannot participate in so-called non-essential services, such as going to bars and pubs and culturally significant activities. It's absolutely an abuse of our civil rights, but please, no conspiracy theories. That's been part of the fucking issue. So many people are prepared to bind to bullshit because the real obfuscation, it's happening in broad daylight. It's happening in front of us. I implore everyone to tune into a recent episode of the Joe Rogan Experience featuring Dr. Peter McCulloch. Hear what Dr. McCulloch has to say about the complete lack of academic rigour and ignorance of scientific best practice for preventing COVID infections. The application of COVID antibodies such as Regeneron and GSK, Ivermectin, Hydroxychloroquine, they've all been banned or they're severely restricted when they have proven to reduce the likelihood of COVID infections, which of course would have reduced the likelihood of COVID transmission throughout the communities. Therefore, lockdowns probably wouldn't have happened. Thus, we'd all be very much not inclined to take this bullshit gene therapy, which is masquerading as a vaccine and full disclosure, I'm fully jabbed. Actually, the reason that I had to get fully jabbed just quickly is because I would have lost my job by 1st of February if I didn't. I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, got school fees, got to put petrol in the car, all the usual shit. 
feel like I've been forced into it, but I know a lot of you feel the same way. Anyway, I digress. Mainstream media such as CNN, The Washington Post, Nine Media in Australia, basically anything funded by George Soros, which you can look up online, it's fairly easy to see or follow his flow of money at the very least. And the bullshit publicly funded broadcasters such as ABC in Australia and the BBC in the UK, they're just mouthpieces for absolute garbage. If I were you, I'd tune out of all of those and obtain your news from media sources such as Sky News Australia, which is on YouTube so anybody anywhere can get it. Matt Wong from Discernible, who's on basically every social platform I think around the usual ones anyway, so Facebook, YouTube, and he's one of the only prominent media outlets, meaning discernible, covering the disasters that are unfolding under that psychopath Dan Andrews in Victoria. The other fellow you can tune into to hear some truth is Alan Jones, and for those people in North America, you might be familiar already with Crystal Ball and Sagat Enjet. Basically, anybody that's not beholden to big tech, you can find a bunch of people on podcast platforms who don't have a vast audience, who are telling the truth about things, and uh, they're not attracting the attention of censors, who are psychotically pushing a globalist narrative which aligns with identity politics, critical race theory, this whole COVID scam, and climate alarmism. But you've got to do the work yourself these days, people. So over to you. We're not going to get our freedoms back that we give up throughout this COVID crisis. Okay, back to the Christmas music. To the year in review regarding the podcast and the many new music releases that I've found appealing. First up, the podcast. Look, as usual, I was lucky enough to obtain opportunities to talk with so many of the leading lights and influences on rock and heavy metal in general. Already talked about Eric. Eric Rutan from Morbid Angel and Cannibal Corpse. My conversation with him is probably the highlight, as was my chat with the great Terence Hobbs from Suffocation. Then there's Kai Hansen from Halloween and Gamma Ray, which is doing great business on YouTube. Bill Steer from Carcass was another good one. And more recently, Gary Holt and Zetro Souza from Exodus. They were great conversations, but uh, look, there were many more across the 92 podcast episodes that are released this year. Many of them also now feature on my relatively new YouTube channel. The Cradle of Filth episodes on YouTube have gone, they've gone gangbusters. A YouTube user christened the many conversations I've posted to YouTube with Cradle, ex Cradle of Filth band members, the Chronicles of Filth. So that's the working title moving forward. Uh, as I say, those conversations continue to amass a vast following. I truly appreciate that. I get more correspondence about my conversations with ex-Cradle of Filth members than almost all the other interviews that I've done combined. Oh, I've got around a dozen more members that I want to talk to. If only I can find them on socials, including LinkedIn, and uh, get to the bottom of some things that I know you out there enjoy listening to. I'm just fascinated by 90s era cradle of filth to give people some background who have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, it's my mission if you like to talk to all tenured band members in cradle of filth or in the group from the inception to the very end of 1999. That was the era that I was into the group. I can't say I listen to them these days. Look, many of my conversations for the podcast, they made Blabbermouth, Ultimate Guitar and heaps of other clickbait sites 
As far as I'm concerned, it's all publicity, although I can tell you it hardly translates into new subscribers to the show or new listeners. I I would imagine hardly any people are converted after reading that clickbait shit into thinking, wow, I haven't heard Exodus before. Why don't I check them out? But whatever, it's the way things are done in this day and age. Here's some big news. My book about the conversations shared on the podcast will be out soon. It's written. I've done it. I've just got to go through the motions with a publisher and get the books printed locally. So they will be available for sale in the new year. And yes, you heard that right. I know so many of you prefer physical copy to that of digital. So I will ensure a physical copy of my book is available. Something else happened this year that was a bit unexpected. I was asked to participate in a YouTube chat fest with Joseph from Baldheaded Metal. He hosts a reaction and review themed show under the title Baldheaded Metal. That's the name of the show. So it's a bit different to mine. He's based in New York and I'm up well before 5 a.m. Brisbane time so we can talk shop about many worthy metal related subjects. We chat once a week. So tune into his show if you want to hear me talk to him about all sorts of shit related to heavy metal. Okay, let's talk about the music specifically then. The music released this year, as I say, I do have a top 10, but uh, I want to talk about many of the other great albums that were released this year. In no particular order, Suffocation released a live banger titled Live in North America, Obscura, came out with a valediction. I had a chat with Stefan Kemmerer only recently about that. Beast in Black had a good one with A Dark Connection. Uncle Al was back with a new one from Ministry titled Moral Hygiene. My conversation with David Anderson was another highlight, I must say, from Soil Work and the Night Flight Orchestra. We had a chat about their new release, Aeromantic 2. Gosh, I'm looking at my list here. I think I'm going to run out of steam before I get to the end of it, but... uh, yeah, so some killer albums from bands such as Chemist, Fear Factory, Vader had a remastered edition of, released a remastered edition of Deep Profundus, The Legends, from 1995, that album. In many ways, I think that album changed the death metal. What do we hear elsewhere? Well, why don't I talk about some of those tunes from bands that have released albums that I've truly enjoyed throughout the year a bit later on when I'm playing the music I'll uh, put, a bit, put a bit of accompaniment there just to flesh out why I enjoyed the tune, the album, and indeed the band. Okay, so what should we do next? I think we should hit the top 10. Let's go to the top 10 albums of the year. I've got two albums that tied for number 10. I couldn't separate. North Tale. An Eternal Flame and Kuroshi with an EP titled Edition. I'll talk about North Tale first. Brazilian-American guitarist Bill Hudson would surely be rewarded with global acclaim in an alternate universe that recognises talent and perseverance over social media likability and edgy hot takes in 280 characters or less. Not that he doesn't receive his fair share, of course, of plaudits here and now, But the strength of Eternal Flame is such that if it were granted the type of marketing budget and media coverage of, say, the new Iron Maiden album, I think Bill would have a smash hit on his hands. 
And I can almost hear the naysayers now after I've said that. Because look, heavy metal, it ain't a popularity contest. I get that. And many of you who love heavy metal are thinking, who gives a shit if the mainstream continues to ignore quality metal releases? Yeah, sure. But what must be said is that Bill Hudson has crafted a metal album with a stunning soundtrack quality that could appeal to a vast audience if it were given the opportunity. The best way to describe the album is that it's a visceral experience, a panorama of sound, of compositions that feel like an accompaniment to a big-budget Steven Spielberg-produced Hollywood blockbuster. Overall, I'd say that Eternal Flame contains far too many bangers to pick out over others, but it's not unreasonable to recommend the Kai Hansen and Tim Hansen, that is Kai's son, a song in which they feature called Future Call, and also The Land of Mystic Rites, that's probably my favourite tune off the album, which pays homage to vocalist Gilherm Herose's religious philosophy, and I apologise, Gilherm, if I've mispronounced your surname there, as I have likely done. So let's play a couple of tunes from that album now, the two tunes that I mentioned. You're going to hear Future Call, and after that, The Land of Mystic Rites.
What do you think? Enjoyable. I like it. Okay, next, equal number 10 in my top 10 albums of 2021 belongs to an EP, as a matter of fact, by Kuroshi. Now, Kuroshi is a duo that gets by with a little help from their friends, including a simply captivating cameo from an Aussie group from way back in the day, In Search, and their frontman, Chris Dubrow. The edition EP caps off a writer's foray into crafting new and original music from David Gale, my mate Dave, the guitarist in Aussie ska rock outfit The Porkers. Kuroshi serves a buffet of similar up-tempo dance metal to The Prodigy and the Mikey Siaka era in ministry that'll have you headbanging, as well as shaking your booty, your butt. David Gale's guitar performance offers a heap of dense thrash-inspired riffage overlaid a bed of trip-hop-inspired beats that would make Fear Factory's Dino Cazares take notice. Become features Dubrow, that's the name of the tune, Become, and Dubrow, whose unmistakable voice has been absent from the public domain for far too long. Elsewhere, David, he handles the vocals duties, and he had me thinking about dealing with dickheads late at night from my youth, gosh, I remember those days, through the prime cut, Get Out of My House, in which his lyrics rail against obstinate party guests. Full disclosure, I know Dave, I know him fairly well, and I've played in the band with him, and I can offer this sentiment without hesitation that David is, without a doubt, one of the most gifted and capable guitarists that I've shared a stage with, and it's just so great to see him finding willing collaborators to help him mine his immense talent as a songwriter. On that note, here's two tunes by Kuroshi. The first one is Become, and the one after that, Get out of my house. Let's go.
Thanks, Dave. Love your work, brother. Next, number nine, Jack Frost, Brothers in Arms, an album called Sunset and Clark. Jack Frost, he's a guitarist who has been developing his brand of hard rock across too many groups to mention. And on Brothers in Arms, he has reached out to an impressive list of musicians to help him put together a rock album for the ages. Featured across Sunset and Clark's tunes are members of Last in Line, Lynch Mob, Diamond Head, Angel, Montrose, Rough Cut, Quite Right, REO Speedwagon and Pat Benatar, which all lends itself to the fact that Jack Frost is capable of drawing the best in the biz to his projects, at least from a rock setting. That Jack can pick and choose musicians from amongst some of rock's most vaunted outfits is all well and good, but it's actually what he can do with his own hands that is the absolute marvel across Sunset and Clark. Jack Frost's guitar performance has never relied on tried and tested tropes such as finger tapping and warp speed playing. Instead, he shares J.K. Lee's philosophy that less is more when it comes to blending techniques. In this way, Jack Frost's compositions never suffer due to an insistence on demonstrating technicality to satisfy the guitar world wanker brigade. Album opener is titled Bitch is Crazy, which sets the scene for a raucous affair that only gradually eases up at the fifth cut to make you mine. Like an album that I'll mention deeper into the list, Sunset and Clark isn't defined by the album's abundance of supreme guitar performance, although Frost's performance identifies the album as a killer album for all fans of guitar-dominant rock and metal music. And on that note, here's Bitch is Crazy, and after that, to make you mine. Well, we was all rolling up to Mama's lemonade stand when Juicy hit me right in the eyes. Somebody said, oh my God, I must be dreaming. Well, I get a little kitty and I know she's mine. Looks like heaven and it tastes so fine. But she's a handful when she's blown. Psycho man.
bit of a slower one there, isn't it? But gosh, great tune. Right from the uh, more melodic side of things into the not-so-melodic side of things. Number eight belongs to Blood Red Throne, an album from them titled Imperial Congregation. If you love death metal, you need to hear what Daniel Eliasson and the band Blood Red Throne have conjured on Imperial Congregation. There are some seriously fucking heavy flexes across this album, and not just through the blisteringly fast-picked guitar passages, superb solos such as the license on the cut six and seven, Freddie Bolso's rhythmic hammer, his drumming, or the titanium-heavy riffs either. Vocalist Ingve Christensen's lyrics on transparent existence could be evidence of his thoughts on something I've already spoken about of being systematically deprived of individual freedom, a death metal version of punks kicking against the pricks, if you follow. For many people living in the Western Hemisphere, as I've mentioned, 2021 has been a bloody shit of a year. Vaccine mandates and COVID lockdowns, essentially decreed by unelected officials and enforced by spineless bureaucrats, continue to extract a terrible bounty in the name of public health. To compound matters, the morbid curiosity of taxpayer-funded left-leaning media agencies and their obsession with COVID body counts spam our social media feeds, don't they? It all weighs up heavily on a population weary of fear-mongering and the constant hype of new and even more deadly COVID variants. I thinking they might have been hinting at some of the stuff I just mentioned there because in these times, death metal, it's an elixir. Listening to Imperial Congregation with a set of headphones, it's not going to solve your problems, but it sure helps. So, we're going to now hear the tune, Transparent Existence, and then after that, six and seven. Let's go.
Rightio, we're up to number seven, I believe. Death metal can resemble a loose coalition of underground musicians who fall out, occasionally regroup, all the while offering fans of the dissonant arts new and exciting sounds in which to wrap their ears around. Massacre's frontman, the fella at the centre of Massacre these days, Cam Lee, he covers all of those bases, and on the new album from Massacre, titled Resurgence, he's not so much regrouped Massacre as reforged the band in his image with his vision intact, one that started almost 40 years ago. Lee absolutely deserves to be considered a founding father of death metal. Fans will likely never agree on just who it was that bought the death metal vocal style to broader audience, broader audience. However, Cam Lee must be credited for inspiring Chuck Schuldina, long the genre's patron saint, on those death and mantis rehearsal tapes in the very early 80s. It was Cam Lee who actually took what Jeff Becerra in Possessed and other budding extreme metal acts were doing over the line to a place where death grunts, growls and roars were the absolute norm and not just added for effect. Anyway, I'm going to spare you the history lesson because Lee, Cam Lee does a great job throughout our conversation, which is easily, easily found on the podcast widget over at scarsandguitars.com or even on YouTube. He offers his perspective on his role and the early days of the death metal genre during our chat. I feel like Resurgence is the natural successor to the 1986 written yet 1991 released classic From Beyond. On Resurgence, Lee has drawn a superb cast of musicians capable of realising his vision, including this epoch's hidden master of death grind, British maestro Scott Fairfax. Cam Lee's lyrics dive into Lovecraftian territory across Resurgence, which is a worthy accompaniment to the vicious slabs of death metal throughout the album. Look, rest assured, this is a fucking great album, although its best place will be seen in hindsight as the record that helped Cam Lee continue his mission as a death metal original, someone far more important than an artifact or a relic confined to notes in Death's entry on Wikipedia. Here's hoping Resurgent is a springboard to many more releases from Cam Lee and whomever he decides to enlist in Massacre. On that note, what tunes have I got to share with you? The first cut that I'm playing is called Ruins of Riley, and the second, the Innsmouth Strain. Let's go.
Strain, ladies and gentlemen, from Massacre, taken from the album Resurgence. Next, what made number six in my top ten of 2021, the best albums of the year, belongs to Halloween, with their self-titled album. German heavy metal ensemble, Halloween, look, they've never really honestly had a low ebb across their vaunted career. So why does this, this self-titled album, why does it feel like a comeback? The answer, I think, is found in the return of long-departed vocalist and guitarist Kai Hansen and his vocal replacement, Michael Kiske, who was also long-departed and has now returned. The group have got three world-class vocalists. Three world-class vocalists, that sounds better. Andy Derris is the third, and he's uh, been in the group continuously since 1992 or 1993 or thereabouts. Look, all are notable pillars of the rich tradition of German heavy metal. It's terrific that each was willing to set aside the trappings of ego to ensure that the new Halloween album is far more than a blast from the past, rich with cameos. Halloween, this is an album that manages to draw upon the core strengths of each member of the group Yet at no point does it sound overdone or as though a member overplays their hand, overshadowing a fellow bandmate's contribution. The songwriting, the musicianship, the guitar solos, the cadence of Danny Lobler's considerable driving beat from behind the kit, even the length of each tune, they they define a band at the peak of their significant powers. As an album, Halloween, it's a vital album and it could set the scene for decades more albums of similar quality from the group. I think at this stage, courtesy of the quality of Halloween and basically every album that the group has ever released before it, it's only a matter of time before Maiden, sorry, before Halloween become a colossus mentioned in the same breath. That was a bit of a Freudian slip there, but you'll see why I made it because I think Halloween should be mentioned in the same breath as Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. On that note, We're going to hear a tune called Skyfall. It's written by Kai Hansen. Love his work, I've got to say. Love Gamma Ray. It was great to hear him back in Halloween. And after Skyfall, you'll hear another tune from the album titled Mass Pollution. Let's go.
All right. Mass pollution there from Halloween. Next, number five belongs to Carcass with torn arteries. Okay. I'm going to sort of go off script here a little bit again because I didn't sense it at first. But it became apparent that my enthusiasm for Carcass's latest face-ripping death metal extravaganza simply wasn't shared by the bloke at the end of a recent Skype session. Look, it happens, and as a podcast host, you get over it, but sometimes it taints the music. It didn't, thank God. But Jeff Walker, Carcass's bassist and frontman, will probably tell you that he doesn't know the fans, especially me, emphatically praising his latest release, a fucking thing. He's right, you know, but for what it's worth, I think he should be a bit more receptive to praise than he is to wanting to finish an interview or a conversation, as they are in my case, to go into the kitchen and sip on a freshly brewed cup of tea. You see, Carcass inspired and inspire and continue to inspire entire scenes from gore-infused gut-splattering grind, so popular with bands from Southeast Asia to South America, to the group's more palatable new wave of British heavy metal-infused death metal, which plenty of kids in cross, across Sweden, in particular in Gothenburg, appreciated back in the day. Torn Arteries, the new collection of tunes from Walker and the Yang to Walker's Yin. Guitarist Bill Steer, it mines the same fertile musical tillage that the group has sporadically released since the 1993 monolith Heartwork. Bill Steer, one of my favourite interview subjects, he has long been the group's not-so-secret weapon. For such a chilled and relaxed dude, he's an expert at writing riffs that incorporate blindingly fast, alternately picked passages with crushing sections of groove. He's just the death metal master, isn't he? There is plenty to be heard across Torn Arteries, which is why I found Walker's reluctance to embrace my positive comments on the impressive form of the band just a little bit strange, I suppose. But on that note, I'm somewhat spoiled because I've spoken to literally hundreds of musicians from bands that are profound influences and bands that continue to inspire and almost all genuinely appreciate positive feedback, although there's always an exception to the rule, and in this case, it's Jeff Walker. Either way, I'll tell you what I said to Walker here. I said to him that you must be thrilled with the quality of torn arteries. And Walker said, no, I'll tell you more precisely what Walker said to my question. You must be thrilled with torn arteries. He said no. He wasn't thrilled. And he added words to the effect that the question implied that me, Andrew, I was somewhat overstating the significance of the album. Look, at this stage of Carcass's career, they deserve every single accolade sent their way based on the merit of torn arteries, even if Walker would prefer that cup of tea. And on that note, let's get into some In God We Trust, and then after that, you'll hear the title tune from Torn Arteries.
Rightio, we're deep into the top five now. And number four belongs to an Australian group called Shotgun Mistress. Shotgun Mistress is what happens when you get an incredibly adept extreme metal guitarist when they turn their hand to riff rock. A Victorian fella by the name of Matt Wilcock. He's an unsung hero of powerful metal guitar performance. He's got a career that reads like a Spotify playlist of your favourite late night beer and God knows what other substance imbibing relaxation accompaniments. Wilcock's guitar playing can be heard on recordings from internationally acclaimed groups such as Acococca, The Berserker, Werewolves, Abremelin, do check out Abremelin, Killer Band and Antichrist Imperium. I'm sure there, is, there are some many others or some others in there in the mix, but they're the most prominent ones anyway. Look, the group and indeed the album is far more than just a Matt Wilcock effort to be sure, but still his performance across Shotgun Mistress is so complete, so masterful, it could justify turning the mistress into an excuse to gush about his talents alone. But that would paint most of the picture. I suppose that would paint most of the picture, but not all of it. Because anyone who has spent time grafting a tune with a few mates in a rehearsal room, as they can probably tell you, a great guitarist will not make an average band great. It's very fortunate then that the mistress can write a tune and deliver it with a gripping intensity. You can't fake that shit. You just can't. Believe me, someone who's been in many bands, you just can't do it. Bands either have the chemistry or they don't. They've got the chops or they've left them in a dank studio car park under crushed tins of beer cans, beer bongs and McDonald's wrappers. So Matt Wilcock, he brings the same white knuckle intensity to rock music as he does to extreme metal and on Shotgun Mistress, he is surrounded by an outstanding band. 13. Yes, I don't like the number 13 either, but it is an unlucky number for most. Yet the group have conjured as many tracks on this, their debut LP, and they've left plenty of room, more room, for fans of No Bullshit, Fall to the Floor, Rock and Metal to Clamour for more. And on that note, here's two stellar examples. You'll hear Devil in Disguise, but not before. We play the tune, Born and Raised.
top three into the top three we go number three belongs to exodus and persona non grata okay i'm going to go off script a little bit again here and talk about my conversation with the group's frontman zetro souza zetro if you're listening sorry about that yes we did have that chat that made blabbermouth and god knows how many other clickbait sites but wasn't it worth it Expanding on your political beliefs during an unguarded moment at the end of a week's worth of press commitments happened to pave the way for many people to now be aware that Exodus is now more than just alive and kicking. You're a band that is armed and dangerous, and you've just delivered one hell of an album, one of the best in your storied career. Persona non grata is just vicious. It's an old-fashioned kill em all take no prisoners, go fuck yourself, thrash metal extravaganza that only musicians who were there to play a role in the emergence of world-domineering Bay Area thrash that they could conjure. This far into Exodus's career, over 35 years in fact, closer to 40 I think, there's no way that anyone could have predicted that their music would be heavier and faster than not only the albums within their own catalogue. 
Exodus's catalogue, but almost all the other bands who sit adjacent in the pantheon of all-time heavy metal greats. Go well, Zetro. You're a good bloke, mate. And Gary, so are you. I enjoyed my conversations with you, and I'm sure it's the same for the rest of the band if I ever had an opportunity to converse with you. Look, in these dire times, with a demented old man running the globe's most influential and vital economy alongside a cackling identity-obsessed narcissist, Zetro, your voice has never been more relevant, musically and figuratively speaking. And on that note, the beatings will continue until morale improves. We'll play after this tune, the title track, Persona Non Grata. Let's do it.
My top two we go number two belongs to a danish group called mool m-o-l with the o with that strike through it so mool is how you pronounce it diorama is the name of their album and it is the meeting point the tunes on that album is uh collectively speaking is the meeting point between norwegian black metal british shoegaze and more complicated indie stuff like gang of four Mole, they've got a bright future ahead. Mool, gosh, I just said Mole. Mool have a bright future ahead. And I think for many not observant listeners, so people who like to say that things sound like other things, an overly simplistic criticism of the group is that they are mining the rich vein of sound popularised by Deaf Heaven on their 2013 masterpiece, yes, I think it is that great, Sunbather, and held my own on vinyl and have spun many times. Yes, it's very easy for some to say the group is derivative of the more famous San Franciscans, but look, anybody who buys into such bullshit, they're going to miss out on hearing the dynamic duo of Kim Song Sternkopf and guitar ingenue Nikolai Hansen. Hansen has managed to capture a guitar tone on Diorama, reminiscent of Johnny Marr from The Smiths at his most ethereal, and then he blends it, he fucks it up, with some seriously warped, down-and-dirty, blackened thrash that'll have any of those people wanting to compare the group to Deaf Heaven ducking for cover. Sternkopf 2 contributes a lung-busting performance that really needs to be heard that must be equal parts technique and physical agony to recreate. I can't wait to see these guys live. Please tour Australia. I doubt I'm going to get overseas anytime soon. I don't think that you're going to appreciate Diorama as quickly as other albums on this end of year best of top 10 lists and that's because it's a good old-fashioned grower a bit like Weezer's Pinkerton back in the day 
which also means that you'll be listening to it for many years to come, just as I do with Weezer's Pinkerton, and not just till the not just until the end of next week. Okay, two tunes, Vestige. But before we get to Vestige, it's time for some photophobic, all taken from the Mool album Diorama.
You just heard Vestige from the album Diorama, written by the group Mool. They're from Denmark. Killer outfits. So much great music coming from Denmark these days. Okay, we're on to my number one pick. My number one album of 2021 belongs to Leviathan Project. The name of the album is called Sound of Galaxies. On Sound of Galaxies, Leviathan Project combines the aesthetic of old-school speed and thrash metal, traditional heavy metal, FM radio rock sensibility, and an ethereal cosmic quality that so many bands embrace and reach for, yet very few execute with the same prowess. The group is the brainchild of Tommy Crash, who is in a blink-and-you-missed-it version of Britney Fox and the relatively unknown fella by the name of Matt Nardo who is a seasoned studio pro who can capably perform the guitar, bass, and also vocal duties. The quality of this duo's, this dynamic duo, their tunes meant that they could wrangle ex-Judas Priest frontman Tim Ripper Owens to sing and the all but forgotten Bobby Cobley to handle lead guitar duties. Cobley, if you're not aware, performed in Death and was in the lineup which recorded the group's 1995 magnum opus an album that I believe is their greatest, titled Symbolic. If the lineup on Sound of Galaxies sounds like it's something close to an all-star gathering, which to be perfectly frank could have meant that it would be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen, then it's remarkable. It's an album that's greater than the sum of its very impressive parts. For example, Ripper is in career best form. He just knocks it out of the park on the album, especially across the cuts, Solar Storm, Leviathan, and the maiden beating edge of time. Cobley himself unlocks the mystery that many old school death metal enthusiasts have been quietly asking, which is, is his contribution to death essential or even that relevant? He's been out of the spotlight for decades, you see. Yet his lead breaks and solos answer the question emphatically by revealing a brilliant soloist who has equal parts a gnarly shredder and a breezy note bender who can squeeze every drop of power from deceptively simple arcs and fans of the fretboard. I've had a couple of conversations with Tommy, Tommy Crash, and we're going to listen to one soon. Never broadcast before, it is a premiere on the end of year show. Tommy and I have covered all manner of musical terrain as I sought and seek to understand how an unassuming fella from Florida managed to create one of the more essential heavy metal releases of the past decade. Yes, Sound of Galaxies is that good 
Look, I came away from the conversation you're about to hear and also the one that I posted to Scars and Guitars earlier in the year. I came away from both of these conversations thinking that Eddie Van Halen, the most critically important and innovative guitarist of our lifetime, he absolutely got it right because Van Halen said something along the lines of music acting as a powerful summoning. The creation lies somewhere beyond a consciousness, just out of reach to most, to many. Yet, but for a precious few, it's within their grasp. And Tommy Crash, he's one of those fellows who can tap into that mystical cosmos of sounds. So thank the gods, then, the divinity. So a Tommy Crash worthy of partnering with Nardo, then attracting Ripper and Cobley within his musical orbit, because Sound of Galaxies is easily my pick for the number one album of 2021. You can hear it in the background. This tune's called Leviathan, and once that's done, you'll hear Solar Storm. Once Solar Storm has concluded, we're going to dive into a conversation to obtain a deep understanding of the philosophy behind the mastermind that created the tunes on sound of galaxies. Hey everybody, this is Tommy from Leviathan Project. Hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Manifest! 
That's the name of the album. I'm so glad it's out because it you do combine the two EPs and from what I could work out, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's an extra tune, Death Angel. You've in, you've yeah. Know, is that right? <clears throat> yeah, that is correct. So we take we took the first two EPs minus one instrumental 
I took one of those off and uh, finished the song Death Angel. So that's on there. And there's also three demo versions of the songs. I think I mentioned to you before the way we usually work is that Matt, <clears throat> our bass player and my you know co-writer and, and works with me on a lot of stuff, he will sing most of the tunes first to give Tim an idea what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it would be neat to put those versions on there so fans can kind of understand the the process with it. Plus, Matt's got a very Don Dockany type voice too, which people who like metal are going to like Dockin. Most of them, or mm-hmm. you know, it's so it's a different take on on the songs, and it <clears throat> it's neat to listen to where Matt started with it and then where Tim finished with it. So, so I put those on there too. The the uh, three bonus tracks. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Did Deco want much of a say in how you presented things in terms of the order of songs and which songs were included, or is this all you? No, they they uh, totally opened. I mean, basically, whenever I ask uh, <clears throat> Charlie at Deco, he's our A&R guy, and he's also the keyboard player for Angel. Um, I, I asked for his opinion. He's like, he's like, well, yeah, that sounds cool. He's like, yeah, you, you guys are the artists. He's like, you know, do what you want. So it works out really good. I mean, I've always had the running order in my head, but since they wanted to release the two EPs, I could never really make it a full package properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Can you just explain to people what your philosophy was behind the staggered release? Um, well, that would probably be a better question for the record company, but I can try to, uh, try to interpret that. Um, I, I think the one driving thing between that is to give Leviathan project since it's new, give it more of a lifespan rather than release a full length right away. And then in seven days, it's done and gone and forgot about. So there were, you know, for some bands, they're looking at the the method of releasing an EP or two first, and then following it up. You know, six months later with the full the full release. So the first EP generated you know a lot of buzz because we did a lot of press for that. It got the name out there, you know, and like anything, then it dies a bit. And then a month later, we followed up with the second EP. All right, keeps us out there a little bit. And then a few months later, we follow up with a full album. And in between that time, I was really hitting YouTube with a lot of content, yeah. a lot of making of the songs, uh, some new videos, um, you know, a little studio tour of my studio where I work, you know, just a lot of extra content for people to, you know, to get get into the band and the music. So, I, yeah, I believe it was to keep the, the cycle longer, you know, because if you look at some bands you know, they release four or five singles and it takes them three months to do that. Um, did it work? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it definitely kept us in in people's ears longer than just one album now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great strategy, uh, especially from the perspective that Spotify is powered by playlists. So did you see any of the tunes get onto those enormous Spotify playlists that get a couple of million downloads or streams, whatever it's called these days? Um, I know from the first, um, the first EP, I believe we got on some playlist and that was with the help of our, um, you know, our publicist person chip that, that set all that up. 
Um, and I am honestly really not that familiar with Spotify and how that works. So whether we got on other playlists after that, I'm, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I, I look at the traffic that's driven to our website because I manage and, and do that. I can look at the, the, the analytics of YouTube and that, and, um, you know, hopefully I'll see a statement of how much money went out and if anything came back in. So that's really, you know, that's really the, the thing that, you know, we're looking at because you can reach all these people, but is anyone going to invest, you know, 15 bucks in the CD because they love it that much? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's hard. That's really hard to do in 2021. So, you know, it's, it's nearly impossible. And, you know, I've even talked to Ripper about this and, and he's, you know, I think everyone shakes their head at the, at the model now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we, we all do. Um, even a podcaster, it's how do you cut through? There's just so much content out there. And, uh, and it, it seems to me that you need to have some sort of clickbait element to what it is that you're doing. Otherwise, people don't engage in terms of that mass engagement. If you're producing, I mean, you know my feelings. For people listening, go back and have a listen to my feelings on, the, on our first conversation. I think this is the finest collection of metal tunes in many, many a year. So it's, it was instantly my number one metal release, release of the year of any genre, really, what you were doing. Uh, particularly based on the cassette that you sent that I'd purchased and uh, the songs on there, just incredible. But high-quality product, disengaged audience, never the twain shall I meet. Is that the old saying? <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, what can you do? You can't do any more than what no, you've done from a musical perspective. Well, you know, and if if it wasn't released through a label or, or I didn't have any help with it, I still would have recorded the songs. You know, I still would have had, I still would have had Tim and Bobby play on them. So, um, you know, but it's nice to have people hear it. Um, having a label helps. Um, so hopefully if enough people do purchase it or stream it or whatever the label's judging this on, we'll have an opportunity to put out a second album next year with the same label, you know, cause doing it yourself. I mean, it's, you know, it's like a podcaster. I mean, you, you, sometimes it's good to have a publicist or a little bit of money behind it, or in our case, someone to, to, you know, take care of the physical media and distribution. Cause I, if I had to do it myself, I wouldn't reach anybody probably. Mm. Well, it just takes years, especially, especially with podcasting. It's, um, I only feel I've been doing it about four and a half years now, almost five years. And I just feel like I've got to a point now where, um, well, it happened a couple of years ago where people were reaching out to me to have conversations. That was um, talk mm-hmm. about, you know, funny, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before, but just a quick one. I noticed a big change after I had a conversation with George Lynch from Dockin. You mentioned Dockin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blabbermouth picked up on on his comments about Donald Trump and it just went like this. And oh, I, right, noticed, right. I noticed after that, the audience got a lot bigger and also uh, the um, I didn't have to really ask anybody if I could have a chat to them. Anybody I wanted to talk to, I've been able to. Now, I'm not saying it's just because of that moment, but that just ended up being like a, a nitro boost, if you like. And, yeah, and you need, but you need that. And that's the, you know, you had George Lynch to kind of do that. And um, obviously Ripper does that for us. And that's not why I got him to sing on it. You know, it, it, it was just to, 
a recommendation from a friend, but I notice if, if Tim will re not retweet, but repost something on his social, you know, it'll reach 5,000 people re, you know, and if I retweet it on our, all of our socials without his help, I'll reach, you know, a couple hundred. Yeah. So like, you know, how you had George Lynch, that name, it's a, it's a good clickbait, you know, to have his name up there and, you know, Ripper in, in some cases, it's a good clickbait to have his name up there too. Cause not everyone follows metal as close as we do. And not everyone knows that he's doing this or, you know, some people might not even know about three trimmers or whatever. So it's nice to have the name associated with whatever you're doing. It helps us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got some great personnel on here. I mentioned last time, I mean, you couldn't assemble a better metal collective than what you've been able to do here. And uh, what, what, and you already mentioned Matt, but we didn't really talk about his contribution last time. So I want to listen back to our chat. I, um, of course, I picked up in the conversation, but we were talking about so many other things. Well, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to keep it compact and talk about certain things. But let's talk about Matt now because he's your he's your right hand man, or would you say that he's your co conspirator insofar as you guys write songs together? Um, a little bit of everything. I mean, the the neat thing about Matt is that when we were looking at doing some gigs this fall, you know, which we're currently in now and obviously hadn't really came to fruition, but, you know, we had to look at, well, does Matt play bass or do I play bass or does he play guitar and I play bass because Matt's kind of, he, he can do it all. If you've heard his, his demo versions of the songs, he's got an amazing voice, like mm-hmm. just fantastic he writes great melody because he loves AOR. That's really, I think one of his, his big loves, you know, is AR, AOR with foreigner, you know, survivor, that kind of stuff. So he brings melody to a metal project, which sometimes isn't always there. Um, so that's nice. And he, uh, you know, he's just a sounding board. I, I mix these, these songs, you know, 20 times and, He's totally cool if I send him every single mix and he'll listen to him and and that. And uh, yeah, he could play bass on the song called Attack. He played the second lead guitar solo on there. He's a fantastic lead player. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bobby played the first lead and Bobby played the Ingve style keyboard solo at the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think sometimes when you get to our age, not that's we're that old, but we've played for a long time, that, you know, we can kind of play every instrument to a degree. So Matt can cover bass. He could cover guitar. He can cover lead guitar. Bobby can play keyboards and so on, Mm -hmm. you know? So Matt's really just, uh, you know, if I don't feel like playing bass or I, or I just think Matt would do better and then he plays bass, it's fine. If I come up with half a melody and I'm like, I just don't feel like finishing. I think Matt would do better. He finishes it. So it's, it's perfect. Still with the three guys in this project band, whatever you want to call it, um, I wouldn't change anything next year for the next batch of songs because it works well. Next batch of songs, music by ears. So are, are these <laughs> demoed or are these just sketches that you got at the moment? Um, one is demoed and two others that I have are sketches. Um, so it's just a matter of time. I mean, last year all this came together really fast we started recording last December. I started shopping it. We got a deal by March, I think. Then, um, you know, then it, it became less about songwriting last year 
towards the middle of the year and more about doing the art, the website, packaging it, uh, getting it mastered, all, all that stuff, all that minutia yeah. that has to go along with it. Um, so next year, there's not a real timetable on it because I just called Matt the other day, just completely excited with all this stuff. And he's like, well, when do we need to do this by? Because <laughs> usually we're like scrambling last minute to finish stuff for the label or whatever. And I'm like, let's just do it and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I don't know if the release would be an EP, a full length. I have no idea. But that's, you know, that's what's good about this is that, it, you know, it can be whatever it works out to be. There's no pressure on there. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's so good about I, when I listen to it and having the conversations with you, you really get that vibe that this is a passion project. This is something you're doing because it's, it's who you are. And the cast that you've managed to assemble, I totally believe in, we spoke about this last time, but, you know, that law of attraction, that is the Hicks vortex stuff, where mm. when you're doing what you're meant to be doing, the, the components assemble themselves and they are brought together because of this universal law, if you like. This music is meant to be out there. So um, Bobby Cobley, his contribution on death, as I explained it in the last conversation, so I'm going to mention that, say that a few times, you know, during the last That's fine, yeah. Just, just so as though people, because what I want to do with this, actually, I'll just I'll edit this bit out, but what I want to do with our conversation here is um, I'm going to put together a, a best of 2021 and I want to make this interview the uh, centrepiece. Is that cool? No, oh, cool. Because yeah, it's perfect. Because I'm going to do my top ten, and obviously you're going to be number one, and then say, "Hey," and there's a, I've got this classic conversation here with Tommy talking all about the releases, and um, cool. So I, I don't know whether a lot of the people that will listen to, say, a best of podcast, best of the year podcast edition, they might not have listened to our conversation. So right. And a lot of people, I don't know whether they'll give a shit enough to actually go back and have a listen to it because they're only tuned into what albums I think or releases um, are worthy of being in the top ten. So at least this is going to give them a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of a snapshot into what we talk, spoke about last time. But I digress, you know. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. but you're getting you're getting Bobby involved, and I explained during our last conversation that for me it unlocked the mystery that was Bobby's contribution toward. Death's symbolic album because, I mean, Death really is the Chuck Schuldina show and he just brings people around him to do things. But um, it was very hard because Bobby was only on the one album. It was hard to understand exactly what his contribution was. But having listened to what he's done here with you, I can absolutely hear it now on symbolic. So will he hopefully be a part of things moving forward for you guys as well? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, it's it just works too easy. Like I had mentioned before, the first song that I recorded with everyone was the song Leviathan. Mm -hmm. And I had that mapped out. I had all the leads written because I can play lead to, to a degree, not like Bobby or anything. So he kind of took what I had and he just amplified them. And then the second one, Solar Storm, I didn't give I didn't give him any uh, any uh, structure. He just he just that's all him. And to me, that song still Solar Storm is the best and it just represents our thing. And, uh, you know, with Bobby, he's really, really, really busy. He works. He's got kids. He's got uh, he works crazy late night hours, um, you know, so I'll, I'll keep sending him stuff. And, uh, you know, he keeps on doing his thing. And, uh, 
like I said before, I don't see a reason to go look for another lead guitar player or to try another singer. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's, it's just easy, you know? And if you obviously play music, you've dealt with a bunch of wacko musicians before it's not usually easy. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't care if it was like, you know, cause Matt had brought that up. He's like, well, you know, cause I brought it up before, you know, should we try a different singer next time? Should we? And I'm like, you know, and especially as a fan, if you like what Leviathan project does, you don't want to hear another singer, you know, it's, you know, it's like with any band, you, you get stuck on the sound, you know, like Bobby's leads, you like the songwriting, you like the singer. Um, so yeah, Bobby definitely would be involved. That's such a great point because yes, so many projects these days have like what we're talking about with Chuck, but Chuck's one thing because he's the singer and the guitarist and the songwriter. So it all makes sense broadly speaking, but uh, so many projects say whatever JK Lee's doing these days, is just constantly changing singers. There's just this, shift in singers constantly and it's hard to sort of keep up with things and I've always felt and you guys are in a great position to do this but the recordings can be one thing and the live show can be something else meaning that you keep the lineup intact for the recordings because it's, it's yeah. simple it's virtual you don't yeah. need to be in the same country even as Tim and, yeah. and the other guys but for live recordings you can just basically bring people in and around excuse me, you can bring people in and around yourself and Matt to complete the lineup. Should you ever play some live shows? Has that been? Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were, like I said, I was looking at live options, which, you know, would have been this fall where we're in now. And, um, you know, we have a drummer, James, that's also plays with Matt up in Pennsylvania. And so they've rehearsed some of this stuff together. So the drummer and if, you know, Matt would be the bass player, that's intact throw me in there, which is easy enough. Um, you know, Tim is, I, I think we all kind of thought Tim, including him thought he might've been doing something with KK's priest at this point in the year. That's why he didn't really want to commit to any live stuff with mm -hmm. us, which is fair. Um, but I mean, he's just in Ohio, which isn't far. And then, uh, you know, Bobby's kind of the X factor, you know, but you know, it depends who knows how stars will align, you know? Um, so I, I, ideally, if I'm a fan of a band, like, like, you know, you love this stuff. If you went to see Leviathan Project, if you didn't see Bobby there, you'd be a bit disappointed. Oh, someone like myself would be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I've gotten so used to listening to the songs that I anticipate when the lead break is coming in and the flow yeah. of the solo and nobody sounds like Bobby. <laughs> no, they don't. Cause Matt and I discussed that. I'm like, well, Matt, can you play those? He's like, I can't play like Bobby. And he's like, can you, I'm like, I can't play like him either. So, <laughs> you know, it's, and to rehearse the, you know, 10, 12 songs set for a one-off show, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I know a lot of what Tim does, he goes out and he guests with, with like cover bands around the area. And I would assume he says, learn this set of priest songs and this song, and he shows up and he sings and that's it. Um, but learn an original material that Tim sang a couple times in the studio, you know, he's got to go back and learn all that, which takes time and time is money. And honestly, I've never played these songs live except for the studio. So I got to go back and learn them too. Bobby's never played the rhythm guitar on him, as far as I know, unless he did it at home in the studio. 
So, you know, it's, it's tough. If we can make it easy and, and there's a demand for it, then we'll, we'll go for it. But, you know, like you said, with the demand, it's hard to break through. You know, it's hard to get people to want to care about this. It's very hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's just being able to cut through the, uh, the multitude of releases that are out there. I mean, at least you've got Deco behind you and you, to your point, we would, I wouldn't have known about it unless Chip sent me, uh, the marketing collateral via via an email distribution list, and you, but you've done the yeah. hard work around that, and you really can't do any more than that. Labels don't take chances on bands in 2021. It's not like listening to Jules' conversation with Joe Rogan last night, where she turned down a one million dollar advance, I think it was, on her first mm. record contract. I mean, those days are so far beyond <laughs> us. It's, I mean, and oh, she, yeah. she did so knowingly, knowing that she'd have to pay that bloody money back. It's it's a loan. And uh, you know you wouldn't keep your uh, you wouldn't keep the rights to your music in all its various shapes and forms, so you don't have artistic control. But these days, I mean, that's that's the other side of it. The yin and to the yang is that you do have complete artistic control, and it sounds like it. And that's that's a lot of things for people who find it. Yeah, find your music. Yeah, yeah. There's never once has Deco said two words about anything as far as the music. Mm. And that's just good. You know, this is a, it's a good piece. It's a good position to be in as a musician. Um, but in 2021, I don't think anyone's dictating at least music at our level at the metal level. You know, I don't think anyone went to KK Downing and said, Hey, can you make this sound more like whatever turbo lover, you know? Mm. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they look at the name and they they try to weigh the, yeah. the balance sheet. How many units can we sell versus how much is it going to cost us? And, you know, it's based on the name, you know, KK's Priest or having Ripper with the project or Bobby from Death. We're like, all right, we think we can sell X amount of units and we'll put out that much. And yeah. hopefully someone will make a profit on this, you know? So we can all keep doing music. But I wonder how the KK's Priest thing has been adopted because, you know, the socials are one thing because you only ever get fans fawning over things there. But uh, I wonder yeah. if it has worked out well for KK and Ripper there because, uh, yeah, I know, I know KK's definitely feeling the sting of not being a part of this reforged, reminted uh, Judas Priest. Yeah, I, I it seems like... Uh, to not have a tour, and this is just speaking as a fan, to not have a tour to back up that release is, um, it's almost detrimental to the release, it would seem, you know, for KK's Priest. Yeah, so it's, yeah. you know, and they, they put out four, four singles, and, you know, as a fan, I listened to it, and I bought the album, and, and then, like I said, with albums, they die 10 days later, 12 days later. You know, yeah, it's so it's it's like they build up this whole cycle of singles, promotion, interviews, and then there's no tour behind it. I'm sure that stings everyone in the band, you know, so who knows? They're, they're, they're working on a different level than we are. So, yes, it's 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 relative, though, isn't it? In that, I mean, you've got the same singer. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> True. your perspective, but you've got the same singer there. So there's a potential for it to be to uh a lot that's the sad thing is that with with tim and kk not being able to tour behind that 
you've got this release out at the exact same time and the momentum that they could carry whilst he's on the road and he's talking to people about other things because that's what this music's all about. It's about meeting and greeting. The, 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 the delta between fan and musician doesn't really exist these days. As we clearly know, you can talk to them after the show, before the show, via socials. It's very much an interactive experience being a metal fan in 2021. And, and and yeah, I think that I'm not going to say it's hurt you guys, but from the perspective that I don't think the audience that you should and could have been able to reach was achieved due to that lack of touring either from them, from KK's Priest. Yeah, no, and I think that was kind of the X factor on, you know, everyone who was associated with with Tim doing music and him singing on their stuff was, hey, hopefully we'll get a bump out of this because of KK's Priest. But, you know, I go back to Leviathan. I don't even think when, when I reached out to Tim the first time, I didn't even know what a KK's Priest was. So I wasn't looking for that bump to ride off his coattails, but as it became more apparent that the BAM's put out a record, I'm like, oh, this could be good for us. But, mm. you know, that's that's a whole nother thing. Uh, like you said before, as far as the Viathon project, as long as I'm still alive, it's always going to be living, you know, in the digital world in the studio, which mm. is great because I love doing music, you know. Please keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. So so just so as a fan, people listening are aware of what you've released this year, you've got Edge of Time, which was the second EP. The first EP was It's Their World. Uh, now, It's Their World is available, still available on cassette. I'm looking at the Deco website now. You can listen all, right. to all of this on Spotify as well. I've got my copy just behind me. I've been listening to it rather a lot. And now you've got the uh, the album Sound of Galaxies, which is autographed, fans can go across and pick up a. Do you autograph that as well, or is it just Tim that's doing that? It was just Tim. There's a just a limited edition. I I wasn't asked to autograph it. <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> no, which is fine. I honestly, I think it's you know the logistics of dealing with what we deal with is, you know, what are we going to do? Send you know, a box to Tim, send a box to Matt, send that box to me. And then I can get together at a restaurant with Bobby and we can both <laughs> autograph it. I think Tim is the the selling point on autographing it. So, you know, fair enough. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> fair enough. You, you, you just wrote the songs. You know, what do you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's good enough. It's all good. <laughs> but I, I love what you've got available. Um, so I'm ordering the Leviathan Project Sound of Galaxies limited autographed bundle. So that includes, I'll have two copies of the cassette after that because it includes a copy <laughs> of the cassette, a nice T-shirt which has a Sound of Galaxies logo underneath the Leviathan Project iconography. You've got the Sound of Galaxies CD there as well. You can also purchase the CD separately by itself. You've still got your Leviathan Project cassette and T-shirt bundle there, and then you can purchase the cassette as well. So how, how have pre-sales been going, on the um, particularly on this Leviathan Project bundle, autograph bundle? Um, from what they said, they're doing pretty well. I think the, the big thing about Deco is that uh, they're really into bundling T-shirts or bundling like tchotchkes, like little things that go with it. And as a metal fan, it seems like people pick up on on that. You know, instead of just buying a cassette, you can get a cassette and a T-shirt, um, you know. So they're going, at, you know, much better than expected. I think that releasing the cassette, it was kind of a, it was a gimmick, right? You know, um, 
And then Edge of Time, that was a digital release only. And me being interested in physical media, it's digital, big deal. You know, <laughs> it's fine. The music's out there, but now this combines everything. So it gives the fan something to hold on to. And I think that's probably what's driving the, the pre-sales more than anything else that we had. Um, Look at and then, like, like you said, we got a new t-shirt that goes along with it and all that too. It might have been prohibitively expensive, but gosh, I would have loved a vinyl copy of uh, The Sound of Galaxies. Yeah, you know, we we talked about that, and um, I wasn't aware of this, but the the production time on vinyl now is so backed up, and I don't mm -hmm. know if that's because of COVID or what. Um, I think somewhere in the six to eight month range, from what I had heard. That's what so I was that would have. Yeah. yeah, so that would have meant before Deco even knew who we were, they would have had to start putting their order in <laughs> before the songs were done. Um, and I don't know that cost prohibitive, it, you know, if we get a good bump out of this, there's, there's nothing saying we couldn't do a vinyl reissue later, maybe with more songs on it. Who knows? Mm. Um, you know, there, it, it's just the time frame would not have matched up now. Cause if we did vinyl, it wouldn't be out till, I don't even know how long, another six, eight months, maybe. Well, at least so. I've even heard CD production is backed up. Oh, really? Yeah. A band called Don Brocco had all sorts of issues. Killer band out of the UK, a bit of a, a nouveau sort of metalcore outfit with some electronic influences, that sort of thing in there as well. But great band. And I was reading their socials feed and to compound things for those poor bastards, there were spelling errors all over their collateral, the CD booklet. And the sleeve. <laughs> and and all right. Well, I haven't seen our CD booklet yet, so hopefully they're not on ours. But <laughs> well, you'd think you'd think that they'd get that sort of stuff, right? Look, I'm a. I think I explained this last time. I'm a journalist and a writer. I know for me, like I, I do newsletters for a church organisation, and uh, those newsletters go through three or four people's hands before they're released into the not even general public. There's a limited audience there, a couple of thousand people or what have you. But uh, right. even there, we pour over each of the, the details, even working, even in some cases, should and and the be there. This sort of thing, yet alone on something which you simply cannot, and this is digital. We're talking about physical copy here for those poor guys in Don Brocco. You'd think somebody would have taken the time out to put the beer down and go, hang on a sec, let's proofread. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we do that as musicians. And considering that <laughs> most musicians nowadays are multitasking, so we're doing websites, we're designing booklets, we're doing everything. I, I, you know, I agree with you. It, it's really not acceptable. But let's just call it a collector's edition, then. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it. Um, I think the other issue was they couldn't get it out before Christmas, and they got a younger fan base, so they they're wanting mm. to gift this stuff and receive this stuff as gift for Christmas. You know, the adults like us could could care less. To be honest with you, we just think, well, it's ordered; it'll turn up when it turns up. That sort of thing. And if it's for Christmas and it arrives in March, then it does. You know. Yeah. Um, but kids are kids and teenagers and young adults are a bit different. They still place a lot of value in gift giving and gift receiving. Um, but. Um, <laughs> You know, but I'm trying to think, is, is there any other subjects or topics that that you'd like to cover that we haven't covered across the two conversations, particularly because this is this conversation is the centerpiece of my my year end best of 2021. Um, as far as this release now, I think, you know, you really covered everything. Um, 
the plan is, as you know, there's some instrumental snippets on these records, right? On the EPs and everything is to, because those were actually smaller pieces of a larger recording, those instrumentals. Um, the larger recording is 11 or 12 tracks, I believe. Uh, and it's in the vein of new age and ambient music, you know, the kind of space type vibe, um, stuff like Kataro, if you're familiar with him, um, Andres Fallenweider, it's, it's new age music. So the plan is on Christmas on 1225 is to do a release of the full new age instrumental album under Leviathan project name. Um, so that would be the, and I'll cover that, you know, as it gets closer to it, of course, it's not the full heavy metal band. So the audience went from here to about to there with doing that, but it's just something we thought would be neat to put out, uh, do it on Christmas, you know, cause I don't know how many records get released on Christmas. Uh, but it's got a title. It's got all the songs. It's got the cover art done already. Uh, and there may be a very limited physical edition of that too on CD. <laughs> so, so more on that later. If you like that kind of music, you want to put it on when it's late at night, it's snowing out, it's raining, it's very ambient, but it's got some of the Leviathan flavor mixed in there too. Obviously no vocals because it's instrumental. Yeah, it, it's probably too, pre it's premature to ask this question, I imagine, but will there be a bundle of potentially be a bundle of everything that you've released in 2021, including a CD version of the ambient <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I'm just thinking I which edition I should get. <laughs> I would imagine anything that doesn't sell, Deco will make a bundle out of it. Uh, that's just being, so, that's being sarcastic there. But uh, I don't know. Um, if there's another release in 2022, it would be way, way far down the line as far as a bundle. Um, so no, I think as far as, uh, as far as anything, the, the bundle with the t-shirt, Tim's autograph, the sound of galaxies, that's going to be it for a long time. Mm -hmm. This, the instrumental the ambient new age thing, it's kind of a standalone thing. You know, fair enough. Yeah. So what we're saying is definitely yeah. um, the the Leviathan Project bundle. That's the one to get. Okay. So it was. Yeah, um, the one that's that's out right now. In fact, a couple of people in the states already sent pick, sent me pictures of them that they received early, which was mm -hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, fifty bucks US. You get the T-shirt, the cassette, the 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 cassette of "It's Their World" and uh, the CD "Sound of Galaxies." Uh, for me, it was going to cost me about eighty-five bucks Australian to have it delivered. Small change in the grand scheme of things if you love this music, as far as I'm concerned, because you get to represent the band via the T-shirt. Then you've got the the CD for posterity's sake, and the the cassette was actually really important to me because. Um, in this day and age of having all of our music, I'm doing this gesturing motion in front of my Mac here. And if you don't like a song, you just go click next one. Well, it's not that I wouldn't like anything on the Leviathan project, but because it's playing over here behind me on a cassette player, it just yeah. plays and I don't touch it. Therefore, I, I like that. I like the idea of it. It's just, I know that it's there, it's on, and I don't touch it. When it gets to side, finish side A, it flips around and goes into side B. <laughs> And plays well, once. that's where they, the ambient pieces, the instrumentals that are snuck in between, that's where they really work. Mm -hmm. They're meant to not be skipped over, if you know what I mean. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not a fan of the ambient piece, then, you know, go make a playlist on Apple Music and you're good. You got all your metal songs. But it's more of a listening experience than just, you know, flip on a couple of songs. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I like that you're playing the cassette and letting it flip. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It was the first thing. It was one of the, the the compelling events behind me getting into the music was that you had the cassette, actually, and I love that level of detail good. that you went to, you know. So, oh, good. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Crash, humble fella from Florida. He's the man at the centre of the number one album on my year-end list for 2021, The Sound of Galaxies from Leviathan Project. I love that band. Hope you enjoyed that chat because if if you stuck around and obviously if you're listening to me now, you heard the chat, but uh, I wanted to give the listener some context of some of the challenges that an extraordinary release such as The Sound of Galaxies will have in terms of reaching an intended audience. That's why we dived into some of the, the socials and the product bundling that Deco Records has put together. So next, what's coming up? Many, many tunes are coming up. I've got a heap of stuff to share with you that has been released throughout the last 12 months. So the only condition here is that it's all relatively new music, meaning that there's some live tunes in there. But uh, most of it is brand new music to market from artists that have impressed, many of whom I've had a chance to have a conversation with and I'll provide commentary along the way. So up the top... You're going to be hearing from Suffocation, Obscura, Beast in Black, and we'll round things out with Uncle Al and Ministry. But as I say right now, who's that playing? Suffocation. Pierce from Within, taken from the live release, live in North America.
Uncle Al and Ministry, ladies and gentlemen, with some good trouble, indeed. Taken from the album Moral Hygiene, before Uncle Al and Ministry, you heard from Beast in Black and their cover of the Michael Jackson tune, They Don't Care About Us. The album from which that one is taken is called A Dark Connection. Near to the top, Stefan Kemmerer and his merry men in German outfit Obscura gave us Solaris from the album a Valediction. I had a chat to Stefan throughout the year. Do go and check that one out if you like what you heard there. And up the top, The Legends from New York. Suffocation. With the classic tune as they performed it live. Pierce from Within from the album Live in North America. Next, Fear Factory, Chemist, Carnifex. But right now, the Night Flight Orchestra. With Change from the album Aromantic 2.
you then.
lost everything.
Dino, Caceres and Fear Factory with their tune Fuel Injected Suicide Machine from the album Aggression Continuum. Many years in the making, I understand, that album had been and I spoke to Dino all about it this year. Do go and check out that conversation because it is a chat that changed my mind uh, over the impression that I'd formed about Dino throughout the years. I now feel as though he is misunderstood and uh, he's managed to forge a remarkable career despite many, many obstacles. Do check out my conversation if you want to find out why. Before Fear Factory, Chemist with Living Pyre from the album Deceiver. And yes, another person. Actually, I think every individual, every band, sorry, that I've just played in that block. Yes, I have indeed had a conversation with a musician from each of those bands. So Ben Hutchison from Chemist. Good bloke. Enjoyed my conversation with him. Great tune, that one, Living Pyre. Near near to the top, Scott Ian Lewis from Carnifex. And his, uh, his Merry Men and Carnifex performed Slit Wrist Saviour from the album Graveside Confessions. And that was a very revealing conversation with Scott throughout the year. Talk about a reality check on the life and times of being a touring musician who relies on touring in order to generate an income. Scott went deep, and I thank him for that because it gave us some killer insight that otherwise had not been revealed. And up the top, David Anderson. Remarkable conversation with the Swedish gent, David Anderson, is available on the podcast for your listening pleasure. Um, We talked very little about that release there, Change, from the Night Flight Orchestra's album Aeromantic 2, but uh, David is one of those guys who's a bit of an open book, it's fair to say, and wasn't afraid to talk about a bunch of things. Next, okay, a bit of a longer block now. Ghostbath, Epica, Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders and the newly forged Thin Lizzy, Michael Schenker group. But right now, it's time to go back a little bit in the same vein as what I did with Suffocation and their tune appears from within. Here's a classic, Blood of Kingu as performed by Vader from the remastered album, De Profundis.
Ghost Bath, Dennis McCoola. He's a fella at the centre of that outfit. The tune is called Convince Me to Bleed. The album from Ghost Bath, released in 2021, is titled Self Loather. A bit like Dino, my conversation with Dennis changed my perception of the group somewhat. Dennis is a very smart guy, it must be said. Before Ghost Bath, Epica with Abyss of Time, lifted from the album Omega. And yeah, I, I probably need a lot more time than the amount of time I've got allocated here to talk about my conversation with Mark Jensen and uh, Jensen, I should say, and Simone Simons from the group Epica. But yeah, one of them absolutely blew up on Blabbermouth. It was regarding some comments made about Dave Mustaine. Nice. Um, nice meaning it was yeah, facetiously like Mark's a fantastic guy by the way and uh, his comments weren't intended as a diss toward Dave Mustaine in any way shape or form he's just commenting on what he saw Dave Mustaine doing acting like a bit of a jerk actually more power to you Mark in the middle I think I'm right in saying yep in the middle uh, Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders his solo outfit eponymously titled when Life Was Hard and Fast, taken from the album of the same name. I love that chat with Ricky. Near to the top, Michael Schenker group. Again, a bit like my comments about Epica, I'd need far more time than I have allocated to talk about my mini interactions with Michael over the years, but I love his work. I think he's a great guy too. I love Michael. The tune that I performed from Michael Schenker group was Sail the Darkness from the album, appropriately titled for Michael, Immortal and Up the Top. Blood of Kingu by the Polish legends. Vader from an album that did change things somewhat back in 1995. De Profundus remastered for 2021. That's why it made the grade. Next, White Void, Thorian, Pathology. But now it's time for some Burning Witches with Flight of the Valkyries.
Just then, with their tune, There Is No Freedom But The End, taken from the album Anti, the albums and the band's main man, the creator behind it, Lars Nedland, had a conversation with him. He's also, he's in many bands, Borkniger and Solarfeld are the other two main ones that he's in. But uh, again, what a great conversation with, uh, I always notice I have some very enjoyable conversations with people from Scandinavia. So the great nations of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and um, look, I always include Finland in it, even though it's sort of a moot point, but either way. Prior to White Void, Thorion, with their tune Leviathan, taken from the album of the same name. And my conversation with Christopher Johnson from the group was, uh, it was one of those ones that I couldn't air. Put it that way, a lot of personal information exchanged about some circumstances that are going on in both of our lives. Yeah, sometimes you forget who you're talking to in these things. And yet another great musician from Scandinavia is Christopher. He's uh, living abroad these days in Malta, I understand. Uh, in the uh, near to the top there, Pathology, Killer Death Metal, A Pound of Flesh, taken from the album The Everlasting Plague, had a conversation with guitarist... Daniel Richardson, only recently, a couple of months back. And up the top, Burning Witches, with Flight of the Valkyries taken from the album The Witch of the North. Coming up, mm, 
Let's see, what will I select for your listening pleasure in the next block? Well, why don't we go for some Armoured Saint, some Alien Weaponry, but right now, Eric Rutan plays guitar these days in Cannibal Corpse, and you can hear him on this tune, Inhuman Harvest, from the album Violence Unimagined.
Truth always hurts, doesn't it? Yes, indeed, as performed by Armoured Saint. It's a live tune, of course, lifted from the album. Symbol of Salvation, live. Prior to Armoured Saint in the middle there, my mates across the ditch, Kiwis, Alien Weaponry, with the tune, oh my God, I'm going to mispronounce this, Hatu, Hatu Patu. I think I did all right. Hatu Patu from the album, Tangaroa. Nice one, lads. I wish I would have loved to have had an opportunity to chat to them again this year because I rate that release very highly. Tangaroa sets them up for what they could potentially achieve in the uh, in the coming years. And up the top, the Masters with the death metal master in the band, Eric Rutan, Cannibal Corpse. The album is titled Violence Unimagined and that was a tune lifted from it, Inhuman Harvest. Coming up, Artillery, Sirithun Goal. But right now, some Eon with Church of Horror from the album God's End Here. Let's 
Artillery, a bit of old school there, the Danish legends with Turn Up the Rage from the album X in the middle there. Half, no, not Half Past Human. That's the name of the album. The name of the tune is Brutish Mankind from the legends. Sirith Ungol and up the top, Church of Horror from the album God Ends Here from Aeon or Eon, Aeon. Either way, you know who I was talking about if you're a fan. What do we got coming up? A bit of a longer block again. Some Aussie stuff, an all Aussie contingent. Sink your teeth into this stuff from Hidden Intent, Beleth, The Ascended, Desecrator. But first, Hell is Coming from the album Circle the Prey from my mates out west in Kimura. <laughs> We're 
Assault, ladies and gentlemen, from Hidden Intent with their tune, Breaking Point, from the album Dead End Destiny. Prior to Breaking Point, you heard Firstborn from Beleth, lifted from the album Silent Genesis. I had a conversation with the fella that sung on that tune there, Sebastian Bentos Pereira. He's a Sydney cider. I enjoyed my chat with him very much, actually, because he's a very polite and unassuming fella. And uh, they've got a remarkable story, that group. So I encourage you to go across to the podcast widget and tune into that chat. I've had a conversation with all of these bands here that I'm talking to, talking about that we just played, by the way. But so I'm just picking out a few for special mention. Uh, prior to, to Beleth, I suppose in the middle, yep, it was Embrace the Suffering from The Ascended, taken from the album The Dark. Near to the top, we had Riley Strong and his comrades in Desecrator, Ripping us a brand new one with Hate at First Sight, taken from the rather good album Summoning. That band have got 10 more shows, I understand, certainly from the time that I'm doing this doing this commentary. A sad thing, because they're a, a great, great band. Very solid representation of the power of Aussie Thrash in 2021. And up the top, another great example of the power of Aussie Thrash, Kimura, with their tune, Hell is Coming, the name of their album, Circle the Prey. All right, uh, got some more Aussie stuff to share with you with a Danish band added for good measure. Some Burial Pit, The Ugly Kings, Vansind, they're the Danish group, but right now, The Amenta with Soraya Stasis from the album Revelator.
Can you tell me how am I supposed to 
Burial Pit. Nice. Mother Tongue from the from the album. Subhuman Scum. I tried to organise tickets at the last minute to see them when they performed at the zoo in Brisbane, but it was sold out. They, uh, they were on a bill with a few other bands, but Jesus, what a great band. They're from Sydney too, I believe, so there's some great stuff coming out of Sydney these days. Bit of a bit of a, a, a lull in things coming out of Sydney was uh, for about a decade or so, but the last few years there's just been some killer outfits such as Burial Pit emerging. Christos Anasasis, my gosh, Athanasius. I'm so sorry, Christos, if you're listening. I butchered your surname there. Uh, great conversation with him throughout the year from the group The Ugly Kings. You heard their tune Techno Drone prior to Mother Tongue from Burial Pit, the name of the album from which. Technodrone is lifted. It's titled Strange, Strange Times. Near to the top there, my mate from Denmark, Danny Jelsgaard, and his mates in Vansind performed, and I'm definitely going to butcher this one here because it's in Danish, Gatesbudit, I think it is. We'll just say it's called Gatesbudit. Anyway, uh, that's the name of the tune from them. A bit of Viking metal for you, taken from the album, and I can't recall. I've got to dive back into my memory here, which isn't great at the best of times, and try to share with you through this commentary what the name of the album is. It's M-X-I-I-I. So I'm not smart enough to know what the Roman numerals for that would be right now, but that's how you pronounce the album. Just type in Vansind into your streaming platform or into the web, and the band is pretty easy to find. They're not hiding, put it that way. Check out the album, check out the tune. Danny's a good bloke, by the way. He sort of jumped at that, didn't I? Bit too, bit too enthusiastic there. But yeah, Danny... He's a good bloke. He's one of those fellas who'd been listening to the podcast for some time, happens to be in a great band, reached out to me, gave me some very kind feedback about the podcast and how much he enjoyed listening to the conversations that I share. And when I, when I just in our interactions online, when I worked out he was in Vance, and I was like, you're coming on the show if you want, to which he'd duly obliged. And up the top, Tim Pope, another great band, a member of a band from Sydney, the Amenta is the name of his band. Soraya Stasis is the name of the tune taken from the album Revelator. Yeah, Tim and I had a, had a great chat and throughout the year. And uh, I posted it, um, God, I can't remember, was six months ago or so. I'll get to the point eventually. But um, yeah, Tim Pope, enjoyed my chat with him. Okay, coming up. Thanks for sticking with me if you're this deep into the episode. If you're this deep into the episode, okay, I'm going to put aside five books, five physical copies of my book, okay? So the first five people that say, hey, I listened to this up to this point, if you reach out to me, I will send you a physical copy of my book. There you go. Um, and I'll try to throw in a T-shirt if I can too, if I've got some old T-shirts. Not old, but they're new, but my older logo and design, if I've still got a few of them lying around, which I know I do, and they're your size, you can have one as well. But they're limited to five because, yeah, it costs a fortune to print those bloody books, and I'll be selling them under cost, I think, just because I want people to have them. Okay, what do we got coming up? Some Warrior Within, my mates from the Sunshine Coast, some Zach Wild and Black Label Society, some VHF, but right now it's Runaway from Stone Trip. Days 
then. Who was that? Warrior Within. Nice work. My friends from the sunny coast, Tass and Toli Hadoulis. The name of that tune is Constrainer, and I only played that one because I couldn't find some of the more recent stuff from 2021 available for purchase or download. They're all on streaming services, it turns out, and I wasn't going to rip it from there because I want to make sure the lads get... Is it a buck on... Yeah, I paid a buck for a constrainer on Bandcamp. So it's a dollar that it's... What's that? A quarter of a cup of coffee these days from the... Uh, what was the name of the coffee shop? The Milk Bar there at Maruchido. I love going there. Go and, go and buy yourselves a hard-earned... Well, allow my contribution to go toward a hard-earned coffee there, lads. Love your work, Tass and Tolly. Prior to Warrior Within, it was the Doom Crew. Who else but Zach Wilde? And Black Label Society with the tune Set You Free. Near to the top, Vince Aguera, Hoekstra and Franklin with the tune Whispers of the Soul, taken from the re-released album Very High Frequency, re-released by Golden Robot Records. And up the top, Stone Trip with the tune Runaway, a bit of rock and metal for your pleasure. Next, what have I got? We're near to the end. I can tell you that now. If you stuck with me all the way through to right now, Go and get yourself a beverage or something to smoke because I've got some, instead of going for some weird shit, I've gone for some mainstream stuff. Expect to hear new tunes from Tom Morello, Ghost, The Offspring, Corn. Yeah, that's it. And then I'll play two or three more tunes to lead us out for the year. But yeah, right now, it's time for Tom Morello with the tune Save Our Souls featuring Dennis Lyzen from Refused, taken from the album The Atlas Underground.
there okay almost at the home well we are on the home stretch that's it i'm going to offer this commentary and then bid you a very merry christmas and a great new year again i appreciate that you've listened up to this point the last tune you just heard the last song in that block was by corn of course you probably already knew that that was a new single released by then throughout the year titled start the healing prior to then the offspring with the opioid diaries from the album let the bad times roll. I just put some mainstream stuff in there. I just, it was sent to me, so I thought, okay, here it is, people. If you haven't heard it, now you have. Before then, near to the top, Hunter's Moon. It's a single by Ghost. Might be the only release from them in the past 12 months. And up the top, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine tried to flood save our souls. Does that work? Anyway, that's the name of the tune. A tune featuring Dennis Lysen from Refused and lifted from the album. 
the Atlas Underground. Okay, I'm going to leave you with two more tunes. One from Manuel Gargano, who was the fella at the centre of Zealand Adore. Yes, an album is coming from him and Zealand Adore next year, but the single Golden Liar was released this year, so it'll be the last tune that I play, the very last one that I play for 2021. But prior to Manuel, you're going to hear from Adam Nogal Darsky and his alter ego, Me and That Man. The song is titled Angel of Light and it features the Danish sorceress, Merka. The name of the album from which Angel of Light features is called New Man, New Songs, Same Shit, Volume 2. Old songs playing in the background now, isn't it? I'll bid you adieu. Thank you very much again. Merry Christmas. God bless. And I hope 2022 is the best year yet for you. Thanks again. I crawl through the night That was darker than black I carried my sins Heavy weight on my back And I pray to the God Who listens to me